<laughs> I'm pretty sure I shared the wrong screen for the intro, so that's that's super comical. Um, we always <laughs> we always find a new way to botch the intro, but I think that's the first time we've done it that way. So that's always good. Um, awesome, always always good to try new things. <laughs> <laughs> it's been one of those days, guys. Um, thanks everybody. The Growing with Fishes podcast, two hundred and eighty four. Um, today we have uh, Travis from Arizona Green Desert. Thanks a lot for joining us, Travis. Um, oh, thanks for having me. I actually got a chance to meet him at the uh, Regenerative Conference. In fact, let me put that up on the screen here. Um, if you guys are not aware and you happen to live in the Northeast United States this weekend, um, please come out and hang out. Um, we will be up in Maine. Um, you can find this at regenerativeorganiccannabis.com. Uh, we'll be up there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, up in Dresden and... Uh, we're going to be having a great time. Myself, Kevin Jodry, Susan Wayward Evans, Chris Trump, Michael Box, uh, and a whole bunch of breeders, um, Izzy Becker, uh, Rebel Dan uh, Pomerian. Um, I heard a rumor the great Mr. Green may or may not be there. Uh, I've been working on that. So if you want to come out and hang out with him, pretty sure he's a good chance that you might see him there. Wink, wink. Um, uh, as well as a whole bunch of local breeders. Um, we got Woodstock uh, Farmic, uh, Skunkfoot Farms, Heard Smash Cannabis is going to be up there, uh, Charlie's Farms, uh, Weaving Genetics, um, Eric Branstead, Joshua Steensland, um, Chris Trump, uh, Dr. Lane Ingham. So it's going to be a really good time. And a uh, huge seed swap on Sunday. If you're going to come up for one day, come up on Sunday, get a whole bunch of beans. Up in Dresden, Maine. Uh, again, regenerativeorganiccannabis.com. Uh, and you guys uh, can uh, come up and have a good time. I um, actually met these two wonderful people originally at the Regenerative Conference, and I've gotten to know them over the years, and uh, now we have them on the show, so I'm super excited to have them on. In fact, uh, I was just telling them before we went live, his, he actually has the only version of Freak Show that I've actually been uh, pleasantly surprised about uh, and actually had a good flavor, body, and a good high, whereas most of the versions of Freak Show I've had to date have been very bland. So thanks a lot for joining us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having us. Super excited to be on the show. So to, um, tell us a little about yourself and about your farm. Uh, for sure. Uh, I'm Travis. Uh, I'm from Arizona originally. Uh, I started doing permaculture in uh, like 2015 and started learning about building soils and started our, our own little uh, permaculture garden. Uh, learned about like growing bananas and, and just building soil and all that stuff. And then uh, my buddy David, uh, uh, her nephew, got me out to the farm. They like, hey, you love plants and uh, you'll probably love it out here. Just come check it out. And been up here ever since. So got up here in 2017 and they hired me on and just love working on the farm and building soil. And Part of family now. We're all one big happy family. <laughs> and tell us about yourself, Aaron. Uh, tell us about yourself and, the, and what you've been doing. Hey, yeah, my name is Erin, and um, I'm a, a owner of Hidden Prairie Farms, and um, we're family-owned and operated, and uh, we'll see, we've been here, uh, my husband's born and raised, and I've been here for 23 years, um, yeah, been growing ever since we got up here, and 
uh, yeah, just just enjoy our lifestyle a lot. So um, tell us about some of the different cultivars that you guys work on. In fact, that's one of the things I think I've been most impressed by, especially trying both of your wares over the years now, uh, going after regenerative cannabis. Both of you guys grow uh, very um, different um, uh, and, and you know unique cultivars and everything that I've tried from you guys is just amazing. Um, tell us about some of the different cultivars that you, you're uh, cultivating out there. Well, like uh, some of the strains we brought to the regenerative uh, cannabis seed swap, like we were showing you, was like some of the glaciers, which is uh, uh, white Tahoe cookies, the jet fuel gelato. And that was a, a super stony, pretty potent, just it had really good smell and flavor. And uh, uh, one of the other ones was the Wakanda, which is one of the surprisingly fruity, but stony, like one of the stonier fruity strains that I've seen. Normally the fruity ones don't, don't really pack a punch, but that one seemed to be be really stony but uh this year we're going like a like a lot of the runs we got a lot of white runs going uh some of the gelato 33s and uh there's an ice cream yeah gelato I, mix yeah gelato ice cream mix and regular ice cream cake and just going through the gambit you found a runs um cultivar that does well outdoors because everything i've seen outdoors just molds the shit out here uh, say again. Uh, all the runts cultivars in Oklahoma really hate the climate. Have you found ones that work well for you out there? For uh, yeah, ours seems to seems to do really well out here. Um, it's a really super stony strain, but uh, it's got a really good turf profile too. So, so tell me a little bit about that freak show that you gave me because I'll be honest with you, he hands down has the best freak show cultivar that I've had out of quite a few different ones that I've I've tasted today. Uh, the freak show was one of my favorite plants. That was just one of uh, they let me play around with their uh, personal garden plants. So I, I get to uh, play all, the, put all the weirdos, uh, non-commercially viable, and just the ones I just like to play with for fun. And uh, yeah, the freak show was a super cool plant. Just uh, a little slower to veg, but other than that, it's just just a cool plant to have around. We had it mixed in like with the marigolds and hidden in the corn. And then even like the experienced neighbor growers were like. What what is that? I'm not I'm not sure what that is. We're like no no that's weed. <laughs> like, but yeah no I had like super awesome pineapple terps and uh, yeah got it from the Humboldt Seed Company and just just super all around all around killer strain and yeah we honestly couldn't tell the difference between um, the freak show and our marigolds so <laughs> it was pretty cool to see the similarities there. Oh yeah no your freak show is incredibly terpy compared to. Pretty much everything else I've, I've smelled to date. Um, uh, it's definitely one of the things I have your your uh, freak show and then some uh, um, Australian bastard cannabis. Super looking forward to putting both of those in my garden this year. So on that note, uh, what are you guys looking forward to growing this year in your garden? Uh, yeah, like uh, we have uh, a lot of the white runs, like we were saying. Um, a lot of clones. We're, we're going to start popping seeds here in the next, uh, next month or so. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of Humboldt Seed Company gear. Um, and yeah, uh, a lot of the elite clones, white runs, the gelato 33s, ice creams, uh, biscottis, um, let's see. Let's see, we got some gushers, I think, and, uh, <laughs> there's more. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Oh, the candy cane is another one we're super excited about. Uh, we got that from Hendrix and it's supposed to be very purple and uh, super tasty. So that's one of the newer strains we're trying out. We're super excited to, to check it out. So I know you're um, both very uh, regeneratively or um, uh, minded. Um, tell us about some of your different um, cultivation practices and some of the ways that you differ from some of the other farms that are out there. For sure. Well, I really started getting into Chris Trump through her. Uh, she was uh, uh, went up and uh, took a couple of the, the five day intensive classes. So, uh, yeah, it was super awesome to have her grow up and uh, learn all that knowledge and bring it back to us. And just we love all Chris's videos and and yeah. Yeah. And we make our own compost and, you know, do our yeah, teas and. Just trying to figure out how to scale it all up, trying to get the large scale IMOs and just get, keep working on our collections and going out and finding the new spots to collect. And, and yeah. yeah. Our FAAs and companion planning kinds of. Yeah. Yeah. Do a lot of uh, cover crop building. Uh, we, uh, we're experimenting with no-tills uh, and got one no-till bed to where they just let me free reign where all the homemade compost that I get and just really try to build it up and try to see what it can do. And it's Doing amazing. it's been getting better every year. So it's super, super promising to see that, to, to try to start to scale that up. Uh, what are some of the challenges that you found trying starting to scale up some of these different things? Have you had any kind of issues in that regard or is there anything? Need more compost. <laughs> there's, there's never enough compost. <laughs> That's one of the bigger ones at least, but, uh, but yeah, uh, just trying to scale up fertility and just try to put out the best quality we can and try to be the most regenerative mindset as we can, but it's always a process and just trying to work with uh, closing those loops and, uh, lowering our inputs and just doing doing the best we can. Uh, what advice do you have for people that maybe is just starting to get into the regenerative um, kind of mindset, maybe trying to convert over uh, or trying to get into the type of practices that you guys are working with on a daily basis? Lots of side-by-sides, testing little bits here and there. Right. Don't start, go all out. Yeah, start small. <laughs> don't, don't do everything no-till. Just uh, start with the greenhouse first. See if you can uh, create enough compost to do that before you uh, go all out and go too crazy. But Yeah, compost. <laughs> yeah. I've researched a lot of videos, though. Like, YouTube has been a big friend. Just all the free and easy information out there. There's so much good info out there like Jeff Lawton and all the no-till like gurus, Joel Salatin and all these regenerative, awesome people, Dr. Elaine Ingham, Chris Trump, and all these awesome people have really good knowledge out there. And, and you, you're always putting out awesome, amazing regenerative content. And Oh yeah. So uh, uh, maybe uh, that's a maybe that's a better question. What are some of your uh, biggest go-to's? You mentioned quite a few there. Is there any others that you're using on a regular basis, or maybe you learn from significantly that you think is, you're applying more to your farm than others? Uh, we want to start uh, applying more hoogles. Uh, we've done it on small scale, like not for the cannabis crops, but we've uh, just played around with it, like in the gardens, and how fast that's turning uh, the soil into fungally dominated. Uh, microbial rich soil it's it's been very impressive like over a short period just we started one in 2019 and it's already just mycelium mats and just it's building up surprisingly fast 
Do you have any um, breeding programs that you're working with at the moment that, um, you know, maybe different lines or different uh, goals that you're trying to achieve in different breeding programs at the moment? Uh, nothing commercially, but uh, just playing around, just having some fun. It's uh, it's cool to pop uh, the seeds we get from the regenerative conferences and I never have enough space, but it's cool. It's like, oh, what am I going to pop? What's this? like? I got gene stuff. I got I got everyone's good beans. So it's, it's always a fight to see what's going to be the cream of the crop. But uh, yeah, we have a couple of things that uh, that really stand out that we like. Uh, we like the blueberry muffin, but uh, we don't grow that all the time. But it's definitely one of the ones that are up there. But uh, yeah, we're gonna try to try to pop some new strains this year. Maybe some strawberry cheesecake. Maybe some uh, Humboldt Seed Company stuff. The garlic butter and uh, squirt. The squirt, yeah, the squirt is one of one of my favorites. It's the grapefruit terps on that. It was probably one of the one of the tastiest strains I've seen in a while. So trying to get that citrus profiles locked down and try to uh, hit stuff with different genetics that are in similar realms. We had some. Uh, Equilibrium genetics, some uh, granddaddy, granddaddy oranges that were so citrusy that I feel like would pair really well with some squirts, but that's just all personal stuff. I like to play with nothing, nothing crazy. <laughs> it, it's funny how finicky the citrus stuff can be. I know uh, um, in Oklahoma, we just kind of struggle to grow citrus stuff because it's so hot here. Uh, it seems like the, the citrus terps really hate the heat. Um, you know, for sure. you have, to have like an 85 degree max temperature range in order to keep those citrus terps around. Um, yeah, it seems like the fruity terps definitely seem to be a little more volatile. Like even if the blueberry, if you get it a little too hot and for a little too long, it can burn away that blueberry flavor. Absolutely. Those plants will do well out here, but they don't have that same blueberry taste that used to have up. In, I used to live up in Philadelphia and I remember every November, we used to get that dankest dank blueberry that, that some low, I don't know who was growing it locally, but I knew it was fire. And we used to get it every single November from the same people and who happened to know the guy who was growing it through a guy, through a guy or whatever, whatever. But uh, um, it was just does not have that same profile that it used to have. And uh, I'm totally with you. I think it's, you know, at least three fourths environmental and, and, you know, probably the, very similar genetics because back in the day there was only so many people doing you know a lot of breeding enough to stabilize stuff to any kind of degree right. absolutely people kind of forget yeah. that stuff nowadays and how few people actually were working lines the way that we almost take for granted now absolutely now everyone has a polyhybrid just it's a cluster fudge <laughs> yeah i mean Polyhybrids to me are just, oh, cool. Another plant that's like weak to everything. Right. right? <laughs> another trait you can't lock down. <laughs> uh, something else that's unstable as fuck. And, you know, you, you, you look at it wrong and it decides to pout, you know? Oh, absolutely. Like most of the cookie strains. I'll just say that. <laughs> um, what are some of the other lines over the years that you found that are really good for breeding stock? Maybe that's a good question. Um, I haven't really done a whole lot of breeding, but it's just, uh, uh, just something I love to play around with. Uh, we have a lot of stuff that we just kind of, uh, throw around in a little extra greenhouse that we have and just kind of open pollinate and just kind of let it, let it go a little crazy. But, uh, yeah, there's been some ones that stand out. Like, uh, like I was saying, the citrus from, uh, equilibrium genetics, uh, it was a, a granddaddy orange. 
there's still some volunteers that pop up to where it's just like, nope, that's definitely from that. And <laughs> it smells like mandarin oranges. It smells super sweet and just, oh my gosh. And it was crossed with everything in the room. There must have been like 12 nails in there. But I was like, nope, that's uh that's the same, that's the same plant. <laughs> about you, Aaron? Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? I know you've been on it a, a few more years than him. Um, I guess we've done some granddaddy purple and some diesel and red crush, um, which we call uh, prom. And it was also crossed with the blueberry. And that was really amazing. Uh, we took that to um, Emerald Cup uh, back in the day when we could actually still do events and um, we got a lot of, a lot of rave about it. And um, we still, uh, we still have, you know, a few of those seeds uh, that we, and we also have a lemon one that came out of that batch too. Yeah. The, the uh, Prague blueberry muffin was a really cool strain. One of the neighbors actually uh, uh, grew some of the, he grew, it was our cross, but the neighbor grew it out. And so it was cool to, cool to see how it came out. It seemed like the blueberry really came through. It was really chunky and solid and dense. And uh, yeah, we pass those seeds out at the regenerative conference almost every year. And it's, uh, it's been cool to see how it, how it came out, but definitely need to need to play with it some more, but we're always finding space and <laughs> which beans to pop. It's always hard to choose. Definitely. Um, what do you look for as far as the different traits for a male and female plant um, for your breeding stock? Well, it's always nice to try to find the most vigorous plant and uh, basically the uh, the best structure, uh, terp terpenes is uh, really the most important in, in my opinion, just uh, finding the ones with the right smells and, and structures and, and just trying to find ones that meld, meld together and just trying to see what they do together. I have a bunch of crosses that I want to play with. I have like a freak show across everything. I have a Mandarin sunshine across the freak show. It, the Mandarin sunshine was like a super serrated leaf plant already. So I thought maybe hitting it with some freakiness might, might increase the weirdness on it. And uh, yeah. Got too many things to play with. <laughs> Oh, there's so much stuff to, to work with these days. I know I have the same problem going to all the conferences and uh, and yeah, fifty. Yeah, you have to like prioritize them and then you put them back and then you change your mind and then you rethink it and then. Right. <laughs> That's the nice thing about being a consultant. I can put some here and some here and some here, and I get the COAs at the end of the day. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, definitely. Uh, um, so, what advice do you guys have for people that are trying to, um, you know? Uh, get started on the regenerative minded thing you know you guys have worked on you know converting more towards that mindset um what are some of the things that you can kind of you know kind of say that oh man this was really something i had to kind of spend a lot of time with versus something i didn't have to spend so much time with in terms of you know applying it to an actual working farm uh i feel like the knf stuff was uh some of the most crucial stuff that we've uh done like the faas uh was a lot of bang for your buck it takes a little bit of time to make and uh and to do but once you get it it's relatively shelf stable it uh lasts a good time it doesn't take a whole lot of it one to five hundred and then uh the imos the imos are the, the game changer yeah. just seeing what they do to the weak plants and then uh 
just brewing the tea and then just the tea, uh, just top dressing with the, the tea bag material, what it'll do to a, a, a sickly plant or just an, even a right plant, it'll just make it be like, man, that's, that was the favorite plant in the garden. That was the most tastiest, terpiest one. That's, that's the head stash right there. And that one <laughs> was the first to, first to go. But yeah, just working on getting those collections out. It's, it's, it's a little bit of a learning curve, trying to get the rice right, trying to get it to where the microbes are. It's like, oh, is it too El Dente? Is it not Dente enough? And just, is this a good spot? Did I leave it too long, not long enough? It's just trying to get that all dialed in and just try to, try to keep going at it. We don't do as much collections as we like, but we're, we're, we're working on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know it's definitely something that, uh, once you actually work with KNF though, you, you kind of realize why Chris emphasizes IMO above all things, because it really does kind of heal your soil on its own. It kind of gives your soil the ability to heal itself more than anything else and, and fix any imbalances on its own without you having to screw with it on any kind of other level. And I think that that's kind of the coolest thing. I know Chris often talks about his work with IMO and nightshades treating mosaic virus and some of the other weirder diseases. That kind of makes makes me wonder how much that might possibly apply over to some of the other crops that we all grow, like cannabis. So, um, again, no, I'm not claiming that it will cure mosaic virus and cannabis, but works in nightshades. So let's try it. You know, someone right. report right. back. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it seems like the diversity is enough to keep all the path and paths and pathogens enough confused enough to where. It's just not an ideal environment. There's just too much healthy stuff. There's mycelium mats blooming and it's just it's just too much diversity for all the all the pests. I can tell you I've used labs and liquid IMO to treat over 500 acres now in Oklahoma over the last three years for septoria and we've had nothing but success except for one grow that was just too far infected you know they call this too late basically when the plants were already fucked but all the other grows we managed to you know reverse all the septoria and cure it of the you know no, none detected in terms of new plant growth so um, it certainly, in my opinion, is better than anything. There's no product you could buy at the hydro store or ag store that'll do that, period. Right. You know, once, normally they tell you once you have Satoria, everything is fucked. You're done, you know, good luck, kid. Fields down. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whereas we can reverse that, right? Like, so that's something that like, to me, is just comical that, that they're not paying attention to this kind of stuff. Because especially when you talk about uh, dollars per acre, like, it's pennies on the dollar, you know, compared to any other IPM treatment using KNF, right? Your labs and IMO cost nothing per acre. You know, it's very, very cheap. For sure. It is, yeah. And yeah, it. like you said, they just work wonders. So yeah. once you see the results of it, it's hard to go back. I remember our first year when we started using it, we, um, we really had basically no diseases. And I think our quality and quantity doubled, basically. Yeah. yeah, it was it was tremendous results from uh, previous years, and you, it was dramatic di difference on the quality and just flavors and just all around. Oh yeah, especially if you're doing any kind of outdoor scale, like you have to have that in order to make sure you don't have the fungal issues because it it does seem to have a huge impact on botrytis. Fusarium and Septoria, which are the three main fungal diseases aside from powdery mildew that you deal with in an outdoor setting, you know? Right. And nothing else is as cheap and as easy to apply on a regular basis as, as the, you know, liquid IMO or, or, or labs. So, you know, I can't, can't preach it enough.
Um, what are some of the other things that have helped you uh, with your, your soil building and, and your compost building? Um, any kind of tips or tricks you have for people building compost? Because you seem very passionate about compost. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Always wearing it. It's covered in compost right now. I was sifting some today. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, uh, trying to scale up the compost, just trying to uh, just work with what you have available. Like we have a lot of beautiful forested areas around here, like uh, each proper property out here is like either 40 or 80 acres. or So we have a lot of, uh, of land to go through. So occasionally we'll come out and uh, like maybe once a year or whatever, uh, try to chip up as much material as you can, try to trim up the under leaves of the forest, do a little fire prevention and, and uh, yeah, just trying to uh, get enough material to build some good uh, compost. So with the, the higher carbon stuff, you wanna leave it for a little bit longer, but uh, yeah, it's all just about trying to build up the best materials that you could find around and diversity is key. And the same with the microbes, it's the same with the soil. You wanna have diverse, diverse plants, diverse inputs. And uh, we throw in like, say we weed whack uh, the garden beds of the cover crops, we'll throw all the cover crops and just build up all the organic matter you can. If you're mowing the lawn, just throw in all the organic matter you can and just build it up. And we've been trying to scale up the worm bins and and yeah, just all that good soil building stuff. Tell us about your worm bins. Uh, what it you know? Uh, what are you doing for your worm bins? What are you adding to help supplement beyond what you're putting in there? And then, um, what advice do you have as far as maintaining them? Because sometimes it can be tricky. For sure. For us, it was. Uh, I'm a pretty lazy worm farmer. I just I found an old bathtub, got it all set up, made sure there was a little bit of drainage in the bottom, and then just basically loaded up with a little bit of carbon just at the base, just a absorb all the juices and all the good stuff. And uh, yeah, just basically all the food scraps and just any any food scraps you could find and just- uh, Plywood lid. Yeah, just a little plywood lid because uh, sometimes once it got rained on too much and it kind of drowned them, but I drained the water out and dug it out and there were still worm eggs in there and they, they survived, but <laughs> I think the worm bin's been going for like two or three years now and now. I just inoculate other worm bins with them, just set up another tub and take out a five gallon bucket, inoculate it and just try to keep them spreading and expanding. That's great. So what do you, do you add anything beyond uh, So what do you put in your worm beds? Maybe that's a great question for people that haven't ever worked with worm beds before. Uh, so uh, we do a lot of like uh, forest stuff, just like the leaf, leaf molds, the leaf material, just stuff that's close around it and easy to throw in there. Uh, when I'm cleaning up the hoogle beds, if I'm mowing down some weeds and stuff, I'll throw some of that in there. When it's rainy and I see a bunch of worms just kind of walking on the surface, I'll toss them in there too and <laughs> get the population a little bigger. <laughs> but, and then feed them scraps. Yeah. From the house. Just yeah. any kind of food scraps you have, just like anything that uh, don't want, don't want to throw away, don't want to throw it in the compost pile, just throw in the worm bin and they're very not picky, like anything a, a person would eat, like greasy burgers or <laughs> just leftover fats or bones and kind of throw it all in there. I'm not too picky. Dead mice. <laughs> what, uh, what are you guys puffing on today? Are you guys uh, smoking anything today? 
Oh, let's see. What we puffed on last was, uh, yeah, some of the glaciers. Some of the no-till glaciers that we brought to the conference. Spark one up right now. <laughs> What's that? Tell us about that cultivar. Uh, let's see. Uh, I believe we got that from a Highline, a clone cut from a nursery. It was uh, jet fuel gelato and the white Tahoe cookies. And yeah, it was just one of the stonier strains, a little bit of gassy and uh, one of the more flavor flavorful ones we had. It was one of the stony potent ones. Made some good, uh, some good uh, Fr Frenchy style hash with it. It's a, uh, seems to, seems to yield well. So uh, it I can have, have some, there was a fine, well, I won't say where he's from for his sake, but there was a fine gentleman at the Regenerative Conference gave me some really nice Frenchy style hash. Some really nice Temple Ball hash. Very, very nice. And it's very, very tasty. Frenchy hash, it's it's another world. I actually got to see him at the last conference uh, before he passed. And it, it was just so awesome to see him and show him the stuff. And just, oh my gosh, he's just such a loving and kind person. Just nothing, nothing but loving that guy. Oh yeah, he was amazing. Uh, I had the pleasure of taking one of his classes, and uh, that was that was just amazeballs. If you never had the pleasure of taking one of Frenchie's classes, he used to have a full hash bar, and he would have like the same strain but prepared two or three different ways, and then like a couple of different versions of those. So they'd have like Moroccan hash and bubble hash and temple balls, and like so you could try that all compared to you know. How, how the hash making process affected the terpene expression and, and how it translated into a final product. And it allowed you to like quantify and understand what the hell you were doing on a level that you just don't normally ever get a chance to compare, you know, unless you happen to have all of those right. different skills simultaneously as well. Right. Like, so I, you know, it was just a, a totally unique experience and it really is a shame that he's uh, since left this plane, but uh we had the pleasure of interviewing him. And one of the funny things that I'll never forget this, um, I actually compiled all the uh, minutes that he was on our show and edited it together. And I had no idea, compiled it all together, put the intro and exit to, to plug his channel and the intro came out to four hours and 20 minutes exactly. Wow. Oh, man. That's not a sign. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I, I couldn't do I couldn't stop smiling about that for like a day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's the best, he, best knowledge and just genuine awesome person. He was an amazing person for sure. And there aren't too many like him. I think the last person that I know that's even close to like that is uh is uh Mila. Uh Mila Jensen. She was on our show a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I think she's one of the last people that was is still with us that's uh experience those uh, old school hash making traditions before the Taliban and all these other people kind of changed the culture there. And uh, it's kind of uh, a lost art almost. There aren't many with us left. But there's so many awesome new people making hash now that uh, is a, a whole new generation, which is super neat. And then also to see like how um, you have like a dry sift and bubble hash and, you know, all these different versions of, you know, an old idea is kind of neat too. you know, being able to fully understand 
why certain hashes taste different and why they taste better and why harvesting a certain way was better and blah, 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 blah. All the things. For sure. Like you said, it's definitely interesting to see in the different comparisons be like, no, this is the, the dry sift hash compared to the rosin or compared to the flour. Yeah, it's really cool just seeing the, the subtle changes or sometimes not so subtle changes. You're like, whoa, wasn't expecting that on the back end or. <laughs> You always have one or two people that smoke too much hash and they're just blacked out on the couch in the corner. You know? oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have we have one of those. Yes. Call him the Kai guy. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely do. <laughs> yeah, everybody needs a guy on the couch, you know. Oh yeah. Shout out to Kai. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your preferred method of consumption for each of you? Uh, I really like the extracts, uh, but personally, I think my favorite is probably a joint, but maybe a joint with a little bit of rosin or a little bit of hash, but I like to mix it up. But uh, I think joint is probably my favorite. Go through a couple a day. I, I agree. <laughs> About for pest control, what advice do you have for people that are trying to get into the more organic side of pest control? Because that's often an area where people struggle. Uh, pest control. Uh, we do a lot of plant therapies. Uh, let's see. Um, let's see, what else do we do for pest control? We try to just do a lot of preventative stuff like uh, the LABs are uh, really nice for uh, taking down powder molds and uh, other stuff, but uh, just uh, we, we try not to, to force to grow. We don't uh, try to force them with a bunch of nutrients. Sometimes when you try to force the nitrogen on them, you get like a structurally weak plant that's just more inviting to pests. So we try not to speed it up too much, try to go at the plant's pace rather than how fast we want it to go. And uh, just trying to keep the plant uh, generally overall healthy. So like the compost teas, the IMOs, just getting the plant, the immune system that it needs to help fight off uh, fight off all the pests naturally, but occasionally we'll need to do some natural oils or things along those lines, pure crop, plant therapy, but we try to keep those as minimal as possible and not, not laying into flour or anything. Try to have all the beneficial uh, plants around uh, for the trap plants and trying to get more on planting uh, the companion plants and all that good deal. So um, what are the, some of the different challenges that you guys have had um, uh, as far as, you know, working in the California market, which has been, you know, pretty difficult to operate in the, uh, at some points in the last couple of years. Uh, uh, is it getting better? Is it getting worse? Uh, uh, you know, what's going on out there in terms of the, the scene in, uh, on that side? Uh, I know it definitely is a lot of people that kind of are looking at it from the outside. Tough right now. <laughs> it's definitely tough right now. Uh, failing market. And, you know, uh, Humboldt has really, you know, a lot of regulations. And so, yeah, we're, we're doing our best and we're still here and we're, you know, gonna, we're going to grow again this year. We're just going to focus on our uh, quality and uh, not quantity and, uh, you know, do all of our regenerative inputs and do the best we can. 
I saw that uh, California is starting to look at possibly allowing uh, interstate export. Obviously, there will be more to it than just California deciding, but uh, at least the ball's rolling in the right direction to try and help fix some of those things because, you know, the, the, North, the Emerald Triangle is certainly well known for being a, a place to grow high quality cannabis. And the, I certainly think it'll help small growers like yourselves uh, pretty quickly once they start to open that to those types of things. At that, Jamaica, you know, Southern South Africa, and a couple, a handful of places, you know, you can count them on one or two hands, the places that'll really benefit from this, but there are certainly places that I think that, uh, um, you know, in the long term will be uh, greatly benefited by these types of uh, efforts. And then you guys are also very familiar with like the, the, the different regional um, things like the Tawar um, uh, uh, movements and things like that. Can you describe that a little bit to people that are maybe uh, unfamiliar with the concept and how that, you know, helps people with, that are in more local communities brand around their their um you know local communities for sure well uh definitely want to su support your local farms like that's uh the people who actually care about like you said like the terroir your the taste of the land so to say uh so yeah the people that are practicing the regenerative uh practices and all the small farmers they're the ones who are growing the really best weeds so like you said, once uh once the states open up, like Humble already has such big branding, like everyone wants the craft local cannabis, the most regenerative, best tasting weed in, in the world, and that, that's where they want to get it from. They want to get it from the small mom, mom and pops. They don't want to grow it from the, the WalMarts that are growing million plus pounds of, of bullshit. <laughs> Us farmers bounding together and working together working as a community together, and growing the best weed we can. You know, some diversity of strains are accepted, uh, not just OG anymore. And high quality is the only thing that you know basically matters right now. At this point. Yeah, only good weed selling. So it's got to be the best, otherwise. <laughs> Um, is there anything that you guys add to boost terpenes or boost your other things to it? Or is it just a matter of just spending a lot of TLC with the plants and, uh, you know, focusing on all the different elements? Definitely a lot of TLC uh, yeah. and a lot of microbes. I feel like microbes, is, it's hard to underestimate uh, the power of the microbes and tr the terpenes, yeah. try not to overfeed it to where everything's bland and tasteless and yeah just just really trying to work on building that soil but it, it's a process so just each year it gets a little better a little better and you learn more new uh, tips and tricks and it's just trying to expand off what you already know and just try to keep uh just keep building building off the year before and just try to work off your uh your progress is there anything that you guys have done as far as um, I know Humboldt definitely has some of the, the tightest um, water restrictions. What are some of the different ways that you guys have found on your property to maximize water usage and, and be able to kind of meet those goals? Because that can be very challenging for people that aren't used to growing in the, those types of conditions. Yeah. Well, we have wells and we also have a lot of water storage, rain catchment. Um, right, water storage and yeah, uh, just the, within the past couple of years, we've gotten over 80 plus rain catchment uh, storage tanks, and uh, 
and yeah, just trying to utilize building the gutters, the land. Uh, yeah, the try to utilize the, the water before it goes into the creeks and all, all that. We have a uh, gutters on our on our greenhouses to catch all the surface runoff on all of that, and we plumbed it up to where it all goes into the tanks and and plus the tanks catch water and yeah, yes, and we have uh, wells. Yeah, we have wells to supplement, but uh, yeah, but water is so crucial and try to keep it on the land as long as possible, try to slow it, sink it, store it, like permaculture, regenerative thinking, and try to keep it at the top and try to slow it down as, as much as possible. Did you grow any other crops or do any type of agriculture uh, that are aside from cannabis there on the farm uh, to help diversify what you guys are doing or are you just growing cannabis? Uh, we have a couple of fruit trees that have been on the property for maybe the, uh, 30 plus years. And uh, we do uh, plant occasional veggies, just like plant some stuff on the Hoogle Mound, some tomatoes and lemon cucumbers and potatoes and, potatoes and all the good radishes, stuff. Yeah. And then, and then we always have a nice big veggie garden every year yeah. as well. And it's been getting better and better every year too. We've been trying to build that one up. And... where your um, <laughs> freak show was in the veggie garden. Exactly. Which Steve uh, tried, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he's been building the dirt in the veggie garden for many years now. And as you can see from the freak show, that dirt is pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, adding all the soil from the, the chicken coops and we clean out here and just uh, throwing that onto the gardens and um, drip all drip irrigation is another water uh, saving water by the drip irrigations. Yeah, no, it's definitely something that could be very challenging for those uh, that haven't uh, um, set up a facility quite like yours. It sounds like you guys really have it all figured out, which is uh, super awesome. A lot of people uh, struggle with that because uh, I know uh, in Humboldt, you guys have really, was it one one gallon or 1.5 gallons per day per plant or something like that? I don't remember what the restriction is, but it's not much. Yeah, I'm not sure. Something ridiculous. <laughs> but, um, it's never all figured out. <laughs> Uh, what advice do you guys have for people that are just wanting to start off and, and you know, maybe uh, start off, you know, at, in a regenerative movement with their farm, uh, getting into maybe a newer cannabis uh, uh, state or something like that? Uh, like we're saying, just uh, start small and uh, experiment and just uh, uh, keep practicing. It's uh, it's a it's all a learning experience, but it's uh, it gets easier as it goes on. You just got to just be passionate about it and just, uh, just exactly just keep trying at it and just it, we're all we're also learning I'm, I'm still a student and I've been at it for a little while but it's me <laughs> there, there's always always something new to learn just always trying to be humble and, and just try to get better a question chat do you guys have llamas or alpacas no, <laughs> neither. <really. laughs> yeah, we want to scale up the animals, but right now we only just have a couple of chickens for the garden, but nothing, uh, nothing commercial or crazy. Just get a couple of eggs every now and then. But uh, yeah, for the manure aspect, it would be nice to have have a couple more animals. Yeah. But trying to manage that with the time and <laughs> the garden, and actually <laughs> running a cannabis farm. <laughs> we had a question in chat. Is there something? <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. What was that? Oh, I was just saying, uh, there's neighbors who have animals that we 
Right, can potentially get some manures from. <laughs> um, we had a question from chat. Is there something for IPM you should always have on hand, even if you have not experienced a really bad inf infestation yet? Uh, try to get it uh, to before it gets to that point. You want to just be uh, checking is one of the easier things you could do. But the LABs are, uh, are, are a good thing just as a, it's, it's not going to harm anything. It's good just to blast some stuff off with it. But uh, that or some little bit of plant therapies. But um, yeah, just trying to get it before it, it, it's a huge problem. It, it's not bad when it's like 20 or 50 bugs. But once you're like, oh, man, everything is <laughs> it's going to wipe out everything. It's maybe <laughs> maybe catch it a little bit before that if you can. But uh, like the bug lady suggests, like doing the uh, sticky card traps to where you're doing weekly checkups, if anything, just trying to, the more active you could be and uh, <laughs> the, the more you're looking, the better. Be proactive rather than reactive. Yeah, it's definitely a way to go. Uh, I'm also a big fan of Bavaria Bassiana and uh, Isaria Fumasteraceae. Uh, at least sure. Yeah, we use a lot of the Bacillus thuringiensis and like uh, like the natural, and try to keep all the all the gnats and the flies down. And oh yeah, yeah. I know you have uh, BTI, which is in your mosquito dunks and all the rest of the stuff, and then you have uh, Isera fumisteraceae, which is in one of your pro really common farm brand anti-fly sprays. So, oh yeah, good stuff. And you know nothing that's toxic, nothing that's going to hurt you at all. Which is one of the most sure. wonderful things about it. Yeah, just don't breathe it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give it an hour or two to dry out. Um, someone also mentioned metarizium. The the problem with metarizium is they pulled up most of the products for a minute off the market. I don't, I'm not sure why. I think it had to do with the manufacturing plant or something during COVID or some weird shit like that but they're just starting to come back on the market now, but I think they're under different branding and stuff. So um, yeah, I've never heard of them. Yeah. Metarizium is like the third um, fungal genus that is very uh, good for, aside from Asaria and um, Bavaria. Uh, okay. Uh, killing insects. Yep. And you can kind of use those three in conjunction, you know, alternating. So, you know, exterminate damage or anything with six legs at least. <laughs> Eight legs, it's a different story. Six legs, if, if it, one of those three doesn't kill it, man, you better call uh, call somebody at the government agricultural agency or something and, you know, lock the place down. Bust out the Agent Orange. Uh, yeah, get the flamethrower out. Just <laughs> nuke it from orbit. Or um, compost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, we actually had um, really Chris Trump and I both are big supporters of the IPMO, which is um, IMO, but taking one third of the um, rice, replacing it with insect frass or target insect corpses. So if you can collect some of the corpses of what you're targeting and right. mix it with insect frass and then mix that with the rice, cook it down the same way you would, and then use that for IMO collections, you're collecting local microbes that feed on the, the exoskeletons of the insects the same way that you would collect soil microbes, right? That's so right. you infuse it with the rice with those extra carbohydrates to help propagate it faster, right? So you're, you're kind of- I've heard you mention that. I've, I've never tried that out. That's super interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's something that I think is, is to me, one of the coolest breakthroughs in pest control that I've seen in a long time, because like I want to, and especially when I was on over in Africa, like I would love for someone to try this against locusts. I really think it would be an interesting experiment to try, like go back behind the locust swarms where this, they've already died off in mass from the, the previous generation and collect the, those corpses and use right. that for the IMO and get ahead of the swarm and then release the fungi that are feeding on the last generation and see if you can stop them that way. I, oh, I think you at least have a good, it, I think you at least have a good chance of, of, of having a good effect on it. it certainly we're not going to make anything worse. For sure. No, it's uh, interesting. You mentioned the insect frass. We use that with, uh, with the compost teas and uh, with the IMOs. And it seems like when we top dress with that, it just gives the plant such health and vigor. It, it, it's astonishing. Oh yeah. And you're releasing that chitinase as it breaks down the chitin that's in those exoskeletons. So you're kind of getting two birds, one stone with that kind of application. Yeah triggers that plant response because when the plant detects that fungi producing the chitinase and the, the exudates producing the chitinase it thinks that there's insects around that's being under attack by mites or something else so it starts to produce more terpenes right so it, it's boosting the plant in that regard as well so it's better disease resistance and better testing at coas yeah. sorry about the dog drinking in the background Oh, oh, uh, oh, we had one. We had one just doing the same thing. Yeah. I thought that was us. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we have four. So, oh, four. There's a bit of parade sometimes. <laughs> well, um, is there anything else you guys want to tell people about growing in California or people getting started uh, otherwise, aside from the technicals um, uh, in this kind of uh, venture? Uh I think uh, we touched on uh, everything we wanted to touch on, but uh, thank you for having us and uh, super appreciate it. Uh, yeah, check us out. Uh, She's Hidden Prairie Farms and AZ Green Desert on Instagram. And uh, oh, just thanks for having us. Uh, super yeah. appreciate it. It's been awesome. Love to do this again sometime. And uh, yeah, just keep, keep growing. Mm -hmm. yeah, thank you so much for having us, Steve. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I really appreciate you. And I'll make sure we get your uh, links there in the description uh, as well. Uh, um, and uh, yeah, thanks a lot for coming on. Um, it was really fun having you on. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to growing your uh, freak show this year and a couple of the other beans that I was lucky enough to get at uh, the region conference. And uh, really appreciate you guys uh, taking the time to, to come on and, um, and sharing with us your different uh, methodologies and, and thoughts on, on growing. Awesome. Really yeah. Let me know how they go. That's uh, super awesome. Yeah. Um, so let, let everybody, uh, how do people find you guys again? Uh, let's see. I am AZ Green Desert on Instagram and uh, she's Hidden Prairie Farms. And yeah. One second. I'm pulling up your... Uh... Your stuff here. There we go. Easy green desert. Got oh, yeah. All kinds of great stuff up there. This is his wonderful freak show. Tasted really good. Oh yeah. yeah. It smells like pineapples or berries. And just yeah, just 
an amazing plan. Just super awesome to have and uh, just cool thing to be, be in the arsenal and to, to play with over the years. Excited to make more crosses with it and just to play with it and see how it goes. Yeah. I definitely have a winner, man. The one that you have is just super, super fire. Yeah, uh, originally it came from, uh, we only had like uh, 20 seeds and uh, I gave a few away and uh, I only had uh, one female and it smelled really pineapple and I had three males. Of course, the males were on irrigation and the female was uh, not irrigated and just a super tiny plant, but decided to pollinate it with the earliest male on the hoogle and uh, it just super dominated the pineapple terps in it. So all the other, uh, uh, the generation after it, which is... Uh, this generation is uh, all pretty uniform, all very pineapple-y and just seem to be pretty consistent just from the, the lack of selection or <laughs> the lack of uh, diversity in plants to choose from. Yeah, a little wood burning of Frenchie I did, a little hash ball in his hand. <laughs> uh, but yeah, super amazing stuff. Wonderful. And what was um, the other uh, Instagram? Uh, Hidden Prairie Farms. Yes. There it is. There it is. Yeah. We also have a website, hiddenprairiefarms.com, too, you can check out. Okay. Oh. But, but the Instagram is probably a little more. <laughs> yeah, let's do the Instagram. Yeah, some wonderful garden pictures there. Yeah, got the LEDs, got the soil. Love your morels. Is that in your garden? Uh, that was at a neighbor's farm, actually, just uh, right down the road from us. It was uh, actually around this time. We might have to go check his yard and make sure, there's, see if there's any popping up. Yeah, that's, that's but yeah, right in his garden beds. That's crazy. Some beautiful buds. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful soil. Look at that. That's what your soil should look like. Yes. All those wonderful mycorrhizal fungi are hyphae. Yes. Chunky mycelium mats is what we're shooting for. It's getting chunkier all the time. Beautiful buds. For sure. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Oh, you have an atlas moth. Your atlases, yeah. Correct me. Uh, 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 redwood moths, we know them as. Oh, yeah, the redwood moths, yeah. Beautiful. That's a male with the antennae like that. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah so they're the actually at um, this yeah. time every year they come out. Yeah, we've been seeing a lot of them lately around this time. The males have the fancier headgear because those are like their sensors okay. for finding the ladies. So they okay, gotcha. that's good to know. And then the males have the sensors to find the perfume, right? Okay, so, yeah. So you can always sex the, the moths. Oh, that's very cool. Good to know. Thank you. Yeah. Same thing with the luna moths. I, I, I actually have to go out to Georgia here in a week and a half and uh, they uh, have luna moths out there. It's the same kind of deal. The, the girl, they look very similar, but the 
the guys have the better headgear and the women have a, a little bit bigger bodies. That's a beautiful muff. So it's, it's such a There's wonderful another place. one. That's how you know that you have a wonderful organic farm. You know, you don't, you're not spraying things that would kill that type of wildlife, you know? Right. Oh, yeah. Diversity is key. We want as much stuff as round as possible. Even uh, a little bit of bad stuff is fine, too. That's how you know you have food for the good stuff. Right. Right. As long as it's not too much. Yeah, exactly. There's limits. <laughs> Beautiful purple bud there. Absolutely. I think that was some uh, of our blue bat. That was blue our black. black and blue. Yeah, blue black. Blueberry blackberry kush. It was kind of one of our uh, staple crops when I when I first started working. Have you? Do you have any tips or tricks for people trying to get a little extra color out of their plants? I know we often talk about molybdenum dosing, but do you have anything that you found really helps a lot? Uh, sometimes the uh, the colder temps definitely help, but uh, a lot of it is in in the genetics. It you can't have a purple plant that doesn't want to be purple, but <laughs> yes, <laughs> you have to pray. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us this evening. I definitely look forward to uh, uh, having you guys um, on the show again and then seeing you guys again uh, in Humboldt. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yes. You're welcome over anytime. And uh, yes, yeah, please. thanks for having us again. Yeah. Much appreciated. Really appreciate Can't wait to see you guys us. again. Yes. Appreciate can't, it. Can't wait to see. Yeah, see you soon. <laughs> and uh, for those of you watching, um, we'll be out in Maine, or I'll be out in Maine at least uh, here. Let me throw that up as well. Um, one last time before we wrap up the show. Um, you can find it at regenerativeorganiccannabis.com. We'll take you to the link. Just click Maine on there. Uh, and then you can get tickets. Um, we also have day tickets at the door. Um, so if you can't make it the whole time, you can definitely get tickets at the door. But uh, we have a big seed swap on Sunday, a huge long list of uh, regenerative organic cannabis educators. Uh, and then you can find out uh, Marty and I's website over apmjclass.com, a wonderful in-depth online class for uh, aquaponic cannabis. If you guys are looking for more long format on uh, classes on that. And um, uh, so Thursday, we will not have a show. I'll be actually flying um, during the normal showtime. We will have kind of a short live stream as long as I have internet connection on the way up. Uh, we're going to have some cool guests in the car, whoever's at the airport. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a live stream. So it'll be a late episode, but it won't, you know, it won't be a normal episode. Uh, and then um, we won't have a Monday episode after that. Again, I'm going to be flying. Uh, but um, that Thursday, we're going to have a cool episode with uh, Dirtman Dan and um, the Cannabis Professor. Sorry, it took me a minute to remember. I know his real name. It took me a minute. It was... <laughs> um, uh, the cannabis professor and uh, dirt man dan um so um you know be sure to follow us and we're also going to do a, a meetup so either wednesday or friday we're going to see what works better for everybody uh, we're going to have a meetup in philadelphia so if uh, you're in the philadelphia area in new jersey um come hang out i'll we'll bring a bunch of seeds uh, we'll, we'll have a good uh, little jam session and probably a smoke session wink wink um uh and uh uh, we'll, uh, we'll have a good time and with a bunch of cool people from the scene out there. Um, we'll definitely be out there on the East Coast filming some uh, different grows as well in New Jersey and Philadelphia. I actually got access to some places. Um, we're going to see how that goes uh, as far as filming. Uh, and then, uh, uh, yeah, we'll have a good time. And then uh, in Georgia, the week after, I'll be out in Georgia. 
we'll have a bunch of new footage out of that big facility I've been working on for the last couple of weeks. And then we'll come back and we'll have a whole new facility in Oklahoma to show you guys. So we have a lot of content for you guys in the next month. Um, just be patient with me. We might not have all the episodes on normal days, but we will have a ton of content for you guys in the next month or so uh, with a lot of large facilities, which is going to be fun. So, uh, And also some East Coast states, which people very rarely get to see, which is going to be fun. Well, thanks a lot, everybody, for watching. Um, uh, one last time, how do people find you guys on Instagram? My internet died? Or did their internet die? Well, one of our internets died. <laughs> um, you can find them at uh, Hidden Prairie Farms and at, um, one second here, Hidden Prairie Farms. Uh, AD Green Desert on Instagram and uh, Hidden Prairie Farms. And yes. Hidden Prairie Farms. Sorry about that. I'm not sure which one of us lagged, but one of us did. It was oh. probably us. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then you can find me at Poem Punks, Instagram, SoundCloud, YouTube, all the things. Uh, I love all you guys. Thanks again. If you haven't watched us, last week was our six-year episode. Thank you, all of you, for helping us build this amazing community over the years. We have an incredible amount of knowledgeable guests over the years and helped expose the community to a ton of cool new ideas. I've had a lot of you guys reach out over the, over the weekend and uh, I kind of express that as well. So thank you all. Uh, that have supported the show all this time. Thank you for all your well wishes over the weekend. And uh, we'll catch you guys again uh, at some point in the next five to seven days. Uh, we'll, we'll have some kind of stream. Uh, cheers, everybody. And everyone else, I'll see you up in Maine this weekend.